Hi, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the NSL's podcast, which, by the way, is brought to you by Manscaped, our new show sponsors, the best of men's below the waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Now, we've all been there, we need them shaving and groomed, <laughs> and have engineered the ultimate groin and body trimmer by focusing on intelligent functionality and incredible comfort grooming experience. There's nothing worse getting a wee bick razor and it does cut you like, but Tanya, they do hit the spot. Their fourth generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0, has now launched all over Europe and features wireless charging, a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents, and comes with additional guard size 1 to 4 to fine tune your trim. And thanks to their advanced skin safe technology, you can now feel safe shaving your balls, as you Scottish people would say. <laughs> so join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code CELTS all cap letters you can see on the podcast as well at manscaped.com and the link in the description below. And fellas, again, it's a fantastic gift, gift idea, isn't it, coming up to Christmas? Absolutely. Uh, Stephen, I can't believe after, you know, merely a few videos where the, the sponsors are, uh, are rolling in as well. Uh, so I thanks to the, the guys at Manscaped for taking the wee sort of, you know, chance with us. And let's say, as Stephen says, guys, it's, you know, Festive periods fast approaching, and it's uh, I can't, can't recommend yeah. it highly enough. Uh, so yep, yeah, as you can see on the screen, there's uh, if you want to just put that code in, you will get uh, a wee twenty percent off. So that's our yeah. gift to use. And Francis, twenty percent off. You're treating yourself. You're treating someone else. What are you doing? Oh, I'm treating myself, Stephen. I'm a, I've been a big guy for all these years, and this has just changed my life. <laughs> this has changed my life. No more have I got red balls. <laughs> as as it does say your balls will thank you but look we'll move on this is the NSL's podcast joined by Francis and Anthony how are you both yeah all good Stephen all good I'm got a nice wee fresh cut so I'm fine good man That's good it. man uh, yeah it's been a couple of weeks since I've been on so uh, aye looking forward to, to getting started plenty to talk about so aye let's yeah. go for it Plenty to talk about. Obviously, the first port of call is the sad news that the Lisburn Lamb, Bertie Hall, has passed away aged 83. A, a Celtic man through and through, Celtic legend, Celtic icon. And me, myself, Anthony, before I come to you, I've had some experiences with Bertie Hall visiting Celtic Park, just randomly bumping into him after games or before games. And he's always willing for a photo, for a chat. His stories are excellent. I don't know if you've heard some of the ones going around. It's Simon Ferry tells a great one yeah. about the, the referee. And he goes up to the referee in one of the one of the Glasgow Derby games, and he's like, uh, "Ref, if I call you a bastard, will you send me off?" And the ref goes, to, the, ref, "The ref says to him, well, yeah, that's bad language to be sent off.'" And then he goes, "If I think you're a bastard, will you send me off?" And the referee goes, "No, that's your only thinking it." And then he goes, "Ref, I think you're a bastard." Walked off. But see, that's the that's, that's the type of But I mean, Bertie Old, as, as I said, Les Burnham, Celtic icon, isn't he? Uh, I, I icon doesn't even begin to truly describe uh, the man, uh, Stephen. You know, he wasn't the tallest uh, of men that's ever walked this planet, but my God, uh, the stature he had was just, uh, was just, you know, he's he's one of the the 11 immortals, uh, one of the 11 lions that, uh, you know, triumphed in Lisbon. But he didn't, it wasn't just that. He transcended generations, you know, like you say, it doesn't matter whether you were of that generation of Celtic fans or, or you know, our generation or the, the generation coming through, he had time for everybody. Um, and it's been, of, of course, the, the news is awful, but it's been, it has been nice just 
hearing everybody's own wee tales about Bertie and you know all the all the little anecdotes and personal stories that I've got. I've just got one uh, one myself. I, I met him briefly um, a few years ago. We took the I took my dad to see the, the Celtic musical uh, the year it was on its first run at the Pavilion Theatre, and um, obviously Lisbon played a very prominent part in that story and my dad's very punctual you know he was um he's always wanting to get the place on time and whatever so we get up to the theater about half hour 45 minutes before the the, the doors even open and, and there he was there looking resplendent in his lisbon lions uh, blazer and was chatting away to him about this certain other and we got a photograph taken with him and um at the time i was just starting to have a, a bit of a bout of alopecia and just as we were, and it was quite prominent on the back of my head. And just as I was, I sort of said my goodbye, said my thanks to him for, uh, you know, taking the photo. And we were going to go into the, the theatre. And he just says, oh, son, come, come back. So I went back and, and he sort of just sort of pulled me in and just kind of spoke quite quick. He says, I'm to a pal of mine. I know, don't worry about it. Just keep your chin up and you'll be all right. And, you know, then gave me a hug and you're just sitting going... <laughs> I was been lying, you know, try to, you know, G me up, you know, it's, it's just stories like that, 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 and, you know, I'm sure, you know, he'd have done that, that, you know, it was a sellout that night, and it was, it went on for two, three weeks, that production, so he'd done that night after night, just kind of being there, welcoming, he was the, he was an absolute legend of a human being, um, he'll be sadly missed, but his, uh, his name and his, his achievements will, will live on forever at Celtic. Yeah, uh, you're, you're so right to allude to this. Obviously, horrific news. It's sad, but a, a smile comes to your face, Franny, when you think of very old, all these stories coming out and all these anecdotes that's happening. He said there, there was another one going about Twitter. Um, uh, I think it was when Celtic were doing one of the New Balance kits reviews, and Jeremy Culloch has the mic, and he, <laughs> the fans aren't really really responding, and he just goes and rips it out of his hand. And, we're a grand old team to play for, but that's the type of that man but any stories that you like or even any folklore any memories not from yourself or from other people passed down to you well i do have a story but before i touch it just to actually touch on the man yourself like obviously it was way before your time but if your father or grandfather were doing their job right you knew about Betty old and the lisbon lines mm-hmm. at the end of the day so we obviously knew about the guy knew what knew what he was about and like you say he has a character. He wore that blazer with like a badge of honour. The Lisbon, like every time you seen him in public, he had that on. He, he really just he loved Celtic. He loved being like he sort of he took on that ambassador role. Obviously, when Billy McNeil had to step back and obviously sadly passed away, uh, but he all seemed to take on the mantle of being uh, like the ambassador type role for Celtic. But uh, I so I actually met him in 2017 and uh, Vegas at the convention, but the golf day. Like some of the ex-players in the plane, that was obviously the 50th anniversary of uh, Lisbon. And at, at that golf day, I've been a couple of times and you actually just sit down for breakfast before you go out and stuff. And there's Bertie Old sitting there. And I'm just, but he's sitting in his breakfast and I'm just sitting going, oh, when am I going to get a chance like this to get a picture of him? But at the same time, you're no one to interrupt a guy when he's eating it. <laughs> but I just thought, no, nah, I can't let it pass. And so, because my dad, my dad would have never forgiven me for that. So I just went over kind of uh, apologised for interrupting him at his breakfast and things like that and just asked, said that my dad wouldn't forgive me if, uh, I couldn't, if I didn't ask you for a picture and stuff and he was like, don't you ever apologise son, that means your dad's talking about me, he says obviously I still, I must have been good enough that your dad's talking about me he's like, just never apologise and that and I thought kind of like, that's brilliant, the guy, like and he sat there and done it for quite a lot of folk in that 
and I like I think he must have had a cold roll that morning because it was just everybody was running about and they had time for everybody. And you just you hear all the stories in that, and I actually tuned into the the Axon thing. I think it was Monday. And, uh, it was either Tony Haggerty or uh, Paul John Dykes had made a good call. I th- they really need to immortalise the Lisbon lines going up that Celtic way. I know obviously Billy McNeil's mm-hmm. there, but it'd be good to get them all up there just as you walk up. It's it's the perfect the perfect sort of a setting for it. Then they also made a good point about uh, maybe naming the tunnel after him because obviously two of his two of his best stories come from not obviously like the tunnel in Parkhead, but obviously we know we know the one about in Lisbon where he's obviously. Has the wee joke with Jimmy Johnson, then obviously the one at Ibrox where I think it was John Gregg he asked what his yeah. uh, one bonus was or something. And then obviously John Gregg was like, Oh, mine's is six, so what's yours? And he was like, Oh, it's free, but mine's is guaranteed. <laughs> before a big match, he's kind of saying things like that. You're like, This shows you just, like you say, it's, it's obviously sad, but the stories you're hearing about the guy and that and just what type of character it was, it just speaks volumes of him. Yeah, 100% does. And I mean, you can never know when to stop about Birdie All, the, the stories, the, the anecdotes, and even his, his honours is fantastic, Anthony. European Cup, numerous league championships, Scottish Cups, Glasgow Cups, Scottish League Cups. He won stuff with Birmingham City. They had their third cup runner up as well. So, he, I mean, the kind of guy in the management, Partick Fissel and Hibernian. So, do you think, as, as Franny said, these guys like Birdie Old, Billy McNeil does get recognised with a statue, but do you think there needs to be more recognition for this team and what they achieved? Yeah, absolutely. And like Francis, I heard the the, the guys sort of debate that on on Axom the other day, and I couldn't agree more. Like you say, the way that the that full sort of pathway has been designed now, you could absolutely have a, a statue of all eleven of them, and all eleven of them deserve it. Um, to be honest, it's. It's the greatest story in Scottish sport. Um, it will never, ever be done again. Uh, and, you know, for me, it, things like that have got to be celebrated to the absolute maximum. Um, there's obviously the famous photo of all 11 of them uh, when they walk out. And, you know, if somebody with more talents than me could maybe, you know, construct something <laughs> like that of, of, of all of them going, or, if, or, you know, could be 11, you know, individual statues, a- anything um, that, you know, like you say, um, befits the the achievements would be would definitely get the thumbs up for me. Yeah, well, again, we at the NSL's podcast pass on our our thoughts and our prayers to Bertie Old, his family, his wider circle of friends, and also Celtic Football Club, who's lost a legend. And as we said on our, in our Twitter post, Francis, once a Celt, always a Celt, and that's Bertie Old down yeah. the T. But look, we'll move on. And I know you guys are busting at the bit here to talk about Scotland and since the Celtic <laughs> podcast, but we'll. We'll give it a wee bit to Scotland here, after, Anthony, after the heroics. But come to yourself, um, Franny, first here. I mean, the, the beat Denmark 2-0, no one was really expecting that. And I have to be honest, I'm going to be honest here, didn't really catch some of the game. So you guys are going to have to <laughs> fill me in on what you've seen and what it was like, and I can feed off that, so bear with me. But get into the game, obviously, Scotland feed Denmark. Denmark were unbeaten, weren't they? Yeah. Highest yeah, goals, yeah. least goals conceded. So what was that like from a Scotland point of view, especially being seeded now for the draw? I suppose there was a wee bit of pressure off in the fact that the Moldova win guaranteed you a playoff. It didn't guarantee you the home tie, obviously. You had to, I think as it stood, it was a point all but guaranteed against Denmark. It, it wouldn't have been totally guaranteed till all the results for other games. But to actually go out there and, and beat Denmark, who had won every game leading up to that in the group, nine out of nine, 
uh, and play like play the way we did. That was the big thing. It was not a lucky one 0 or two 0 win. We absolutely dominated Denmark. Yeah, they had a couple of spells. It's only natural. Like towards the end of the second half, Scotland probably didn't know whether to stick or twist, and naturally you step back five ten yards and invite pressure on. But we obviously then caught them on a great counter attack. But it was just such a great team performance and folk were making a big deal about Denmark missing some stars we, what I can see off the top of it, we were missing Patterson McTominay, Hanley uh, so that's like three of the back five that would normally start it was started most of the, well a good part of the campaign was missing and guys like John Souter, like what a story that is for that guy, Tim come in and put in the performance there, Liam Cooper put in a great performance again, the midfield three just done it again I'm glad that McGregor you see it now in Twitter and stuff. He's getting more recognition. It's not like, mm-hmm. not taking anything away from McGinn and Gilmore. They're super, super players. But I think because they're in the Premiership, uh, McGregor kind of gets overlooked. But I think over the last couple of games, he's folk are actually realising how good he is and stuff. Like, and Shea Adams, a special mention him. He's not the most clinical striker, but both game Moldova and especially Denmark, like, like Willie said in the group chat, if anybody deserved a goal the other night, Against Denmark, it was it was she she Adams and you could probably argue argue John Souter because it was the two of them were absolute dynamite. Both of them won the match. I I would I wouldn't argue about who got it at the end of the day, but uh, it was such a great performance. We've gave ourselves the best possible chance to qualify, but no new luck. We'll get lumped with Italy, Portugal in the final. <laughs> nah, keep keep positive, Franny. And Anthony, <laughs> Francis Francis makes a good point, and I know there was talk on Twitter about Denmark missing players, but. He's went to this game with Cooper, who hasn't really played much for, for Scotland at their last level. John Souter basically come back off at ACL with his knee with hearts. And by all accounts, John Souter had a fantastic game. He took his goal well. Che Adams, from what I've seen, that goal, he took that fantastically well under pressure as well. But what what are you saying about it? Are you seeing a, a newfound confidence within this that sadly team within this Scotland <laughs> team? Because you look at it in previous years going back, Francis makes a great point. Usually you would kind of kind of tail off at this hurdle, but these are kind of pushing on now, which is good to see. Absolutely. And it, I think that's a great testament to all the work that Steve Clark's done uh, with, with the team. He's had to take quite a lot of negative headlines uh, from certain sections of the media. And, uh, you know, it's he's stuck with it. He's, he's seen the system and he's drilled it into these players and um, what he wants them to do. And I think that's, one of their, their, their best sort of qualities. Every single player knows what is required of, of them when they go onto the pitch. And, you know, he's, you know the results speak for themselves. Six wins on the spin uh, when needed. And going into that match, especially Monday night, we'd, we'd done the, the tough job. We'd avoided the sort of classic, you know, Faroe Islands or Georgia <laughs> kind of like performance against Moldova. We went and done the job. We were clinical. We didn't really look under pressure throughout the match. But then going into the match at Denmark, it, it it felt to me quite similar to the old sort of Champions League nights with Celtic under you know Martin O'Neill and, and Gordon Strachan, when we were absolutely the underdogs uh, against you know some of the, the the bigger teams that would come. But at the same point, didn't look out of place for one minute. We every player on the part knew what they had to do, and they went out and and performed it. And Scotland were absolutely magnificent on Monday night, and I don't think it's. Um, any coincidence that even, you know, guys, you know, even with a few more decades on their in their years than us, um, are saying that it is possibly the best all-round Scotland performance they've ever seen. Because we know we've had great results in the past, mm-hmm. you know, for the 
the two wins over France and, you know, some great, you know, performances against England and obviously, we, you know, qualified for the Euros this year, which was magnificent. But in terms of all-round display against a team ranked in the top 10 in the world, to come to Hamden and be outplayed from start to finish, um, it was just absolutely a joy to watch. And like, as Franco's alluded to, it's secured us that home semi-final tie. Um, and when you look at the unseeded teams, there's no... There's no donkeys in it by any stretch, but I think at home, I would fancy us against any oh, of those 100%. teams. And all I would say, all of those, all of those guys will be wanting to avoid Scotland in this mm-hmm. type of forum. And then you know, it, it's you know, it's a lottery after that if we were lucky enough to get through. But I think the the biggest credit you can give them is not only is he ended our you know, you know, hoodoo from not qualifying for major tournaments because we've got over that hurdle. We've now got into a winning habit, which is a good habit to be in. Um, these these players, this current crop, only really know success of you know winning when needed and qualifying when the opportunity presents itself. So when it comes to the playoff round, it's it's not beyond you know it's not a wild fantasy Scotland qualifying for this World Cup now. It's if somebody was to tell you right now Scotland will qualify, it wouldn't come as a shock because of the work that Steve Clark's done and the way he's got this group of players motivated. Um, so, yeah, I just wish it could be March already now, because hopefully <laughs> by that point we'll have we'll have the league championship uh, wrapped up and we can just look forward oh, to, you know, bold. putting our pennies away for Qatar 22. See, you make a great point, and finally before we end the, the Scotland section, I want to come to both of you as quickly. Who would you fancy out of the on-seeded teams? I know you said all of them, but Francis, if you could pick one, who would it be? Uh North Macedonia, I think, is the one that sticks out to everybody. Then Turkey aren't what the the team they used to be, but it's I, I'm not going to be if I could obviously if I could pick, I'd say North Macedonia. But like Camden said, nobody's. I don't think any of the teams will fancy coming here. And like I said, Scotland are a good position, good position, good place to now. And like you don't see many pullouts in the Scotland squad now. Nobody seems to if there's a big game for a club round the corner. Nobody's pulling out like Andy Roberts and all that. Are, these big players are all turning up every international break and stuff. So we're in a good place. So I bring any of them on. <laughs> what about yourself, Anthony? <laughs> yeah, I would. I would echo that, uh, Stephen. Like you said, as I said before, I would. I would take a fancies against any of them. But North Macedonia, it's maybe. I'm, I'm maybe being a bit disrespectful to them, but it's just yeah. the, the point is I, I don't know enough about them, which is maybe a potential banana skin. But I just think. Scotland at home, we like you say the likes of Robertson, Tierney, McGinn, and that kind of forum. Yeah, I think, I think we've got uh, with as good a chance as anyone is, is to be in the in the final rounds. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. So good luck, Scotland, from all us here at the NSL's podcast, <laughs> and we'll move on to some Celtic news. And there's loads and loads of it. I mean, it does get stuck <laughs> in right now, but we'll we'll start with the the kind of. The upkeep, and we'll keep it nice and happy for now. And we'll, we'll look at that Anne's Fre- Postacosto fan press conference, which again, Anthony was fantastic. 40 minutes out of his day, all the podcasts lined up. Yes, we want in. So if you're listening, <laughs> yeah, so all the podcasts lined up asking the question. There was one question in particular that kind of struck me was about recruitment. Can't remember what the ex- exact question was, but Postacoglu answered in that much detail. He had to stop himself from going on and on and on. He was talking about Japanese markets. He was talking about Australian markets. And then he brought up Iran and he was like, 
I need to hold back here. I'm going to give my secrets away. But in terms of Postacoglu, this guy <laughs> really gets the Celtic fans, doesn't he, Anthony? Yeah, he, he sort of he just sort of gets the feel of the club. I've talked to some friends uh, the last couple of weeks just regarding how he how he seems to fit Celtic. It reminds me, and, and I'm not trying to compare them in terms of ability or, or where we're going to go or anything like that, but just in terms of he just seems a perfect fit for the club and it's similar with, with Jurgen Klopp at Liverpool. Jurgen Klopp could go anywhere in the world, but he seems to want to stay at Liverpool because he, he gets that, that passion for the stands and it just it glows out of him as well, you know that that sort of that, that love for the the Anfield crowd. They were not maybe not quite at that stage just yet with Ange, but I'm I'm definitely fast getting there because he just you, you can't quite sort of describe why, but he just gets it. Um, I remember watching the no, it was obviously we, we lost the match that day, but it was the Sky's build up uh, before the the first derby match at Ibrox here, and he sat down and, and discussed, you know, his, his, his family background and stuff. And, you know, that it's obviously his, his family, you know, moved to Australia when he was a, a young boy and he was sort of telling, the, you know, the sort of the immigrant story, which is a, a story that's always been welcome at Celtic Park. And I think he, he kind of feeds into that. And just on top of the fact that he enjoys playing attacking football, which we all thrive uh, and we, we all we all crave and, and, and want to see, he's just... And the, the few short months that he's been with us, it feels like he's been here for, for years. He's totally, amidst all the, you know, some of the stuff that we're maybe going to touch on later, uh, a lot of the, the noise and, you know, circus shows that's going on around about him, he's still managed to keep this team competitive, uh, both domestically and in Europe. And you can just see on the pitch, similar to what we're saying about Steve Clark as well, all the players want to play for him. Um, they're they're yeah. buying into what he's trying to teach them, and uh, yeah, I just hope he's here for a long time to come. Yeah, I, I really don't want to ever listen to our podcast when he was getting linked to the job. I don't, never want them to come up ever again because <laughs> so, some of the comments that we were saying oh, were just atrocious, and that includes me in that, by the way. I, but coming coming to oh man, it's almost as bad as our barcast romance, friendly, but. God, but sure. <laughs> Going on to obviously the fan press conference, and as Anthony rightly said, I remember that wee thing he did with Sky Sports to show him kind of his, his heritage, where he came from, his immigrant background from Greece to Australia, his dad and stuff, his love for football, and that's where he kind of gets that from. But these fan press conferences are fantastic. That It's not even the fact that he does it. He does it because he wants to. He's not being forced from someone above him to do it. He's, he's just there. He's 40 minutes of sitting, talking Celtic and talking tactics and going through players and Talk about Kyogo, but what did you take away from it? Because for me, it's the first time since Rogers first came in that I felt this kind of connection again with the the players and the management. Yeah, I think I think like Anthony's on the money when he everything he says there, and like you said, he has seems to have that connection with like a similar Rogers type idea where he's just he's bringing everyone together and everything that seems to be going on in the background. It's not that we're ignoring it, but he's managed to sort of. A, Within sections of the fans, keep it quiet and keep it keep it away from sort of affecting the team and stuff. So you've got to kind of applaud him for that. And like Hamphrey said, I don't know what it is, but it just seems to get it. Could be it's obviously as a type of character. As I, I believe he was probably this is probably how he's acted at every club. He just he goes in a hundred percent. He gets involved in the background of the club and stuff. And I'm not saying he's playing up to the cameras or anything like that, but it's. He knows it's like he knows what he needs to do to 
get what he needs out of the players and stuff and get the fans on side and things like that. And I think Klopp has, like when Anthony said that, that's I think that's a great comparison in the sense of we're obviously not talking about what he's achieved or anything like that, but what what he sort of seems to have brunt his Celtic the now and yeah, it's even if he's he's forced into some of these press conferences, like the fan things and that, he still gives up his time. It, it's not it doesn't seem to give mm-hmm. generic an, your generic answers is it does, like you say, he's going into detail. Sometimes you're like, go and just give a wee generic answer so you're not giving away some secrets here, mate. But uh, it's, you've just got to kind of take your heart off the guy and just, like, it's what obviously we want Celtic to win, but it's one guy, and this is probably part of why a good thing. Another thing is, it's like, he's one manager, it sounds maybe stupid saying it, he's one manager I've never wanted us to win for so much in my life. I'd really want to win for this mm-hmm. guy I just hope we win some for him because just like you say just he's bought into everything and Celtic and the players well the fans anyway are buying into him and the players are buying him so uh, it's just I just hope we manage to achieve what he's wanting to achieve for this club see like genuinely you look at Postle Coglu and managers have, have shelf lives and I, I'm talking about in the future here you see two to three years and then they're looking to move on but do you think Anthony like Postacoglu is there for, for that foreseeable long-term project that he keeps talking about, and then you're talking four to five years. Can you see him being here and, like, touch wood, and I don't want to put the scud on him, but can you see him being here, results depending, obviously, in five years' time, still enjoying it as much as he is now? Yeah, possibly. Of course, I think that will all depend on, you know, how we, we do it domestically, because mm-hmm. I think, obviously, at the point now where we can get straight into the Champions League if you, if you win the league, mm-hmm. obviously that, you know... I can imagine any manager or coach, head coach, will want to test himself at that kind of level. Um, but at, for the moment, this is all a new experience for him. Um, it's obviously something he's wanted to do for a long time. He's sort of managed it. Well, he's, he's managed that at the highest level. He's managed that World Cup. You, you don't go any higher than that. But I think this is a... a it, it, it certainly doesn't seem to be giving off any bells that he's only here for a year, two years, and then he's going to, you know jump ship to the, the first club down south that, you know, bats their eyelashes at them. Um, <laughs> it seems to be that he wants to put down some some roots here and, you know, just sort of make, leave, leave a sort of legacy. Um, and you never know if we're, um, if we're talking here maybe a year or two from now where uh, we've got some more trophies in the bag and some more European campaigns under our belt. We might have to just have the Lisbon Lion statue at one side of the Celtic way and then uh, Ange and his magnificent cardigan uh, on the other. See, even, like, I know you're kind of joking when you say that, but even the fact that you bring up that fact that, I'm no jokingly, statues and stuff, that's how much already, Francis, that Celtic fans have kind of bought into this guy. And he came into the club unknown, a lot of fans throwing basically shit at him, to be honest. Like, what's he done? Where, where's he been here? And, uh. All that there, but the whole point that Anthony made said there was the legacy. I think that's important for him as well. Do, do you get that from him in terms of leaving something behind and building it? Yeah, hundred percent. I don't don't see him going. I'm not expecting him to be here for God six, seven, eight, nine years. But I could providing success and is allowing it. I can see him being here for four four years, five years, no problem. And definitely, if he's having success in the way things are going, he'll leave us in a very good place. And he'll he'll leave where he's head held high, and the the, the Celtic mm-hmm. fans will adore him. So, ah, uh, is like I know it's obviously early doors. It's literally he's been in the in the door two minutes, and it just seems everything just seems good. And I think I don't know if it was from the fan media or the AGM, 
the pictures you see online where everybody's going up to see him and nobody's I, over at the I think I think that that spoke volumes. That spoke absolute volumes. And I think the board, I know we're going to go onto the board and things like that, but I th- I'm hoping that gives them a big wake-up call looking at that going, oh, they, we, like, they can't be that stupid to look at that and go, Are they, this guy's, we need to make sure we're different for this guy because I just, I thought that was a very telling picture. Mm-hmm. 100% agree with you and to be honest you've done that effortlessly bring us into our next topic which is <laughs> the Celtic A AGM but in other words the clown show with the board and I mean Anthony we'll start with the first kind of subsection of this and that was Ian Bankier and Bram Wilson were folded down in terms of retaining their position but remain via a poll which is done obviously outside the, in terms of other voters and stuff but apparently in the room according to the updates I was reading they were they were being booed at some points as well no one applauded them and I think Banker made a comment of, of which I'm paraphrasing a bit here saying that he could he can do nothing good kind of thing and he'll still get booed that kind, that kind of comment which again it, it's just terrible and I think the likes of Ian Banker and Brian Wilson if they don't get a, a message from yesterday it's craziness because for me this is a step down. Yeah, I mean these AGMs are, are very similar in terms of you know prime ministers' questions or you know political party conferences or anything like that. There is there, they are just pantomimes. There, there is nothing nothing gritty ever gets achieved at them. Everyone knows the results before you go into the room. Um, you know I've always said don't be fooled when you watch these politicians at a conference and some big new things just being voted on. Everyone knows what's going to happen. I've been in these uh, halls when the cameras are off. Everyone knows what the result's going to be when the lanyards get raised and all that. So it's all for the cameras. And AGM is is, is very much the same. Uh, everyone knows that they, they were not going to be removed from office yesterday because they don't have, um, the, the ordinary shareholders don't have that that kind of power. But the 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 sort of what's the sort of ammunition they could use was to vote with their their hands and say that if it was up to if it was up to the the ordinary support then yesterday yeah those two men would have been removed from their positions so like you say in in any normal walk of life that would send alarm bells that basically as far as the ordinary punters are concerned these guys' time is long, long overdue for them to be, you know, on the dole queue. But unfortunately, when you're ran by an ab, you know, Ian Bankier is, you know, I, I, the probably the most uninspiring chairman Celtic have had, and, and certainly in my lifetime, you know, Brian Wilson. I think he, he was sort of it was a more financial background, but he always had like quite a he was quite. You know, he didn't get too animated or anything, but he all, I always felt Brian Quinn, um, when he was chairman, had a bit of a presence about him, soft-spoken, but, you know, with a bit of steel behind him. And then, obviously, you move on to the, the years of, you know, you had, you had John Reid as well, and obviously he'd came from a, a cabinet position in Tony Blair's government, so which obviously was responsible for the Iraq invasion, so there was always that disconnect. But when you actually look at John Reid's time at Celtic, he, he, he certainly was outspoken and he, he certainly he didn't sort of miss any arguments or, or if, if there was debate to be had, he would get involved. You know, that's that's his, the man's skill set. <laughs> but 
obviously it just happened to fall on a, a time when we weren't overly successful on the park. So even although there was that disconnect to start with due to his background, um, where he came from, there was th- th- these sort of tensions always rise or are always a bit more sort of heated when results aren't going their way. Um, and I think a lot of these guys thought they could hide behind getting 10 in a row and that would keep everything on simmer. But at the moment, if it wasn't for Ange Postacoglu's, you know, miraculous efforts at the minute, it could have got very ugly yesterday because these guys are so far out of touch. They are so mm-hmm. they, they are they are long overdue an appointment with reality. They should not yeah. be anywhere near the, the the corridors of power at Celtic. And yeah, like you say, when they finally do leave, it'll be long overdue. But here's hoping it's coming sooner rather than later. I mean, I mean, me personally, Alfie, you make a great point. There should be, shouldn't be anywhere near Sadly Park and in, in, in that kind of capacity, that kind of management position up high. And I think Francis, it's absolutely disgusting that the fans there yesterday, well, at the AGM, folded them down and they still get retained. And then the landlord, the big guy, Dermot Desmond, doesn't even bother to show up. I think that's 16 years, which I didn't even know that. I was a bit naive to that, but I think that's astounding. That even he yeah. still holds a majority majority stake at Celtic, but he doesn't bother to show up for the most important meetings in the club's calendar. Yeah, it's 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 not a good look, and I don't obviously I'm not sure if it's been picked up so much in the past about he's I'm not being there. I don't know if it's just kind of more to the to the sort of to the eye, if you like, cause the discontent within the fans with the board and stuff, but. It's definitely not a good look when your majority shareholder isn't there, and then he sends his he sends his laddie there again, which I believe has happened on the sixteen occasions. And I've briefly bumped into his laddie at a, an event, and he is just one guy I wouldn't get sick of slapping. Honestly, he's just so <laughs> so far up his own ass. It's unbelievable. You can just tell, you know, certain folk. Obviously, we come from a very working class sort of upbringing, and but this guy you could just tell was silver spoon fed and. That was, I mean, that's no fault with his, but he just, he was so out of touch with, with reality and stuff. So uh, I can imagine he wasn't really up to much either at it. But yeah, it just seems, it just seems so, so out of touch with with the fan, the common fan. And like, I'm sure my dad now would, like obviously back when Fergus McCann was in charge, that, like, I, I, I wouldn't say I hated Fergus McCann, but my dad just is just always going about how wasn't that wasn't that great. But I reckon my dad would take everything back he said about Fergus. Well, it does, but I would tell you, I would love somebody like Fergus McCann now instead of this guy Banker and stuff. It's just you don't realise how good you've got it. I know Fergus McCann was a while ago, but like Cameron said, Banker is just like he gives not. He made like a stupid comment about how something to do with like Scott Brown as well. Eh? Like how many yeah. Scott Brown and that? And you're like no, he, he said he said he said bring him back. And I'm like, I'm not trying to downgrade what Scott Scott Brown in our lifetime, arguably the best captain we've ever seen at Celtic. But what is that comment all about? Like, I don't don't understand that. I don't know what it was meant to achieve. And I'm led to believe he was kind of heckled after that comment as well with certain comments and stuff. But you're like, what what were you hoping that was going to achieve, that comment? Mm. I think think one of the the shareholders said, I'm coming back for your job. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's just madness. Madness. 
it's it's astounding and again yeah. for me like it's powerful words I'm using, but I do think it's disgusting these guys have been in office for 11 years I think Brian Wilson's been there 15 something like that the finance director has been in position 11 10 years as well so but you, you need to uh, change the boy Nicholson speak by any chance that I'm still waiting to hear what his voice sounds like he did he did but I'm going to come on to that don't you worry don't right. you worry I'm going to come on to that <laughs> but look another contentious issue that has been burning a hole in Celtic's pocket especially in the last three weeks is this appointment or potential appointment of Brendan Higgins to some sort of security capacity Anthony and there were questions on it yesterday by I think it was um, Jeanette Finley from the Celtic Trust and she worded it accidentally and she said basically what's happening and they, they give a non-committal answer as they always do and say we can't comment on a a recruitment process is still ongoing, basically not confirming if he has applied for it or not. And yes, I get the gripe of Celtic fans when this man is in a kind of flanked with this road because what he's done previously, he's victimized Celtic fans or Celtic fans' mental health being affected by him when years gone by as well. I've heard all the stories. Did you, did you not think even for that brief moment that was a time for the Celtic board to be like, look, we're on your side in this one. He's nowhere near the job. But yet again, Anthony, they do what they always do and backhand it away. I think in terms of you know how they have to conduct themselves, I don't think there would ever be a situation where they could, in the in the middle of a an AGM, say, okay, right, okay, we're, we're, we're discounting his um, you know, his application for the post because we all know that he's uh, he's a candidate for for the role. But yeah, I mean, Jeanette Finlay is a very impressive communicator, and she gets she certainly gets her points across well. Uh, we never know, might reach out to her, see if we can have her on <laughs> here one night. It would be absolutely brilliant. Um, I'm a big fan of hers. But she 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 hit the nail on the head, regardless of whether or not he ends up in post at Celtic. The very fact that they are even considering him um, is, is a, just, just again goes back to what I'd say about just being out of touch with the what the common supporter thinks. Now, there might be, be a, a, a section of the Celtic support that don't care, Who's who's in the job? You know, or they're only interested in you know the, the manager and, and the players, and, and that's absolutely fair enough. I, I I totally get that, but I think it's it's up to the supporters, perhaps who do pay more attention to that, to, to sort of highlight why we're so against this guy getting uh, getting the job at Celtic. You know, he's uh, he was a mascot and an enforcer of a absolute disgusting draconian peace legislation that thankfully um, has la- su- subsequently been binned by Holyrood. Um, it's, for anyone that doesn't know, it was called the Offensive Behaviour at Football Act. It was a nonsense piece of, um, a nonsense bill dreamed up the morning after um, an old foreign game at Celtic Park where three Rangers players were sent off and Ali McCoist decided to try and wind Neil Lennon up and, you know, as always, um, politicians reacted rather than were proactive in this uh, this supposed fight against sectarianism. It was, it, you know, it, I could, I can't go, I'm not wanting to go too deep into it, but it essentially, it, it was nothing to do with making, you know, making Scotland a fairer place or anything like that. It was simply a case of trying to, even up the process, but when a, when a high court judged that the Billy Boys and the Famine song are, are racist songs, this was seen nothing more than as a evening up to try and, you know, 
bring up the numbers of uh, Celtic prosecutions for, you know, singing something like the Rule of Honour or something like that, whose, which lyrical content does not differ very much from, uh, you know, some Scottish, you know, the Scottish national anthem being one of them. Uh, I have to give credit, I don't give credit to them too often, but one of the days when they were, the, the Green Brigade were one of the sort of fan groups leading the fight against this bill before it got binned, and they very cleverly um, sang the role of honour at Celtic Park, but at, during which they, they sang it, they unfurled a banner saying they fought and died for their wee bit hill in Glen. So not do it, Stephen. That's part of the that's part of the Scottish national anthem. So it was just to highlight the the, the total ludicrousy of of the bill that you could go to a rugby match and sing this uh, sing this song and not be none the wiser. But if you sing it at Celtic Park, you will probably be up in court on Monday morning. Um, it was disgusting. It was a two tiered um, justice system, provided whether or not you were a follower of football or not. It's in the bin in the history books and anyone who either enforced it or supported it has no place on the payroll at Celtic Park. A hundred percent agree with you. I'm well put by the way. Uh -huh. Yeah, you deserve a drink. You deserve a drink or two after that one. That was a good one. But I mean he's not <laughs> mic. He could have dropped his mic after that. <laughs> I mean <laughs> Anthony refers to the, the bin and put them all in the bin and that's where I think this appointment of Brendan Higgins should be should be in the bin should be in the past it should be never talked about again it shouldn't even be an issue the fact that the Celtic board are possibly I, it's not confirmed I don't know but I, I mean rumours are gathering that it is going to be him and it's going to be appointed in post and as Anthony rightly alluded to that whole offensive behaviour act it was it was an absolute outrage it was disgusting fans were treated <laughs> with contempt especially Celtic fans, and that's not Cram Wolf, it's true, it's, it's, yeah. it's out there to see for everybody. This guy shouldn't be anywhere near Celtic Park. No, 100% agree, and like, I don't know what I can really add to what Anthony's put on the topic, because uh, it got the point across amazingly, like, don't really know what else you, you can add to that, like, there's guys, guys, innocent guys lost their jobs because of this bill and things like that, had chaps at mm -hmm. the door at all hours, so it's, yeah, I just... Obviously, like Anthony said, you're not expecting the board at the AGM to say, no, it's not happening. But you could maybe answer it a wee bit, I was going to say diplomatic, but they couldn't have given a more diplomatic answer than saying we're not going to confirm or deny it. But uh, if they're uh, how, I almost try, if they're really looking at the last sort of a couple of games with the, the displays and protests and stuff, then the discontent within social media because they'll be I'm not saying bank here and that is looking at social media but there'll be guys within Celtic that that is their job to sort of look at the social media and get the feel so if if they're looking at all that then still hire this guy on the back of it that just it goes back to the, the absolute discontent but I I just I was going to say I don't see it happening but I, I, I wouldn't like to see what happens when if it does happen because I'm, I'm not wanting to try to be deemed as inciting violence and things like that, but I think there's got to be some serious. I thought, though, I, it won't. It, it may be a very toxic atmosphere around Parkhead if this guy gets his gets that role. Uh, uh, I don't even want to imagine it, Francis. Nah. To be honest, it will be absolutely chaotic with the Green Brigade, the boys group, and even mm -hmm. the ordinary Celtic fan. We all know what this guy's done, but we'll move on again to Alan's possible but in a different sense. Now the appointment we were led to believe was Dominic McKay's man. Anthony, but as most, most things are, they're free up in the air and apparently Peter Law played a pivotal role 
in picking Ange Postacoli for his position. Dominic Mackay, Mackay, what? Dominic Mackay <laughs> wasn't even mentioned in the AGM. It's kind of airbrush from history. What, what, what do you think's going on there? Are, are they just landers in all fronts? Well, Peter Lowell two years ago claimed that he'd never heard or seen the five way agreement that allowed um, Sevco entry into the third division. So, you know, <laughs> Celtic directors uh, lying at the AGM is as common as, you know, us breathing, guys. So, you know, let's, uh, let's go no further than that. <laughs> but in terms, of, uh, in terms of the appointment itself, I think it was obviously Peter Lawwell would still have been in his position as the CEO at the time when he was, he was first sort of, you know, approached. Obviously, as much as they're saying that he didn't have any role in it, I would be very, I would be very surprised if that was the case because uh, Dominic Mackay had, you know, sort of connections with him um, when he was over in Japan as well. That, that I don't think there was anything too, you know, personal or anything like that. But it was a, a professional. They knew each other in their professional quarters. So, yeah. Whoever is responsible for appointing him, I'm just glad they did uh, because he's uh, he's proven to be a very very worthwhile appointment. Yeah, but it's it's like it's what to believe, Franny, isn't it? Because I mean, that remember when um, they had the first press conference with Dominic Mackay, Alan Postecoglou, yeah. and everyone was making them kind of comments. Get a partner who looks the same way as <laughs> Dominic Mackay Dominic. does, the Postecoglou. Yeah, that's his man. He knew him from Japan. He worked there for years, and then he he's left, and he's kind of been. Chucked into the back burner, he subsequently got a new job. So fair play, him hope all is well there. But mm. then Peter Lowell crops up again, like he was a main role in this whole kind of arrangement with Posta Cogley. I mean, where are you sitting in that? Because for me, yes, I do agree with you, Anthony, in the sense that whoever did appoint them, we've got it. We've got a gem. We do have a, a gem with Posta Cogley. There's mm-hmm. no doubt. But it's the fact who do we trust? What word? What word do we trust? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Well, that, I think that's a big thing. It's like to sort of look at it blindly. It's what does it matter? Because, like you say, Postacoglu looks a really good manager on the face. What he's done. So, one part that you could say, but well, what does it matter who who brought him here? Just be thankful that he is here. But to act, for when he obviously got uh, put in front of the media and presented uh, and stuff with Mackay, obviously, these things are going to happen. But he's got to be thrust in front. They will be thrust in front of the media and the wee sound bites. This is my guy. Uh, blah 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 all that stuff it's it's only it's it's natural how much it is true well we don't know now it's even more in there but like Anthony said he, he was surely involved in the hiring process one way or another because it was obviously he's coming in this has got to be the manager in there it's obviously uh, Mackay is maybe not physically uh, went oh by the way you should go for this post call guy but he, he was surely involved in the negotiations and saying well if I'm going to be sort of a figurehead, I'm happy or I want this guy to be underneath underneath leading the team and stuff. But a wee bit maybe it's just the wee the, the cynic in me that like saying about well obviously there was a lot of discontent, especially last year, with Law on the board. So maybe it's just the cynic in me, but maybe the board are just saying it was lot because they see how well the connection with the fans in Postacoglu I wouldn't be surprised if the board are just saying ah, it was Lowell to try and get the fans back on side with Lowell. I wouldn't be surprised if it's just something as stupid as that. Like, because that's just, right. to me, sometimes that's how I feel their heads work that I will say he got them and everybody will be back on side and like everything's forgot about. Mm-hmm. Or is Peter Lowell coming back? 
whatever do. <laughs> but look, I do want to say a big thanks to the people who are watching on YouTube. We, we, we smashed the 500 subscribers barrier, and we're, yeah. we're really grateful for that. But again, if you are liking what you're saying, we're a growing podcast. Hit that like button, subscribe, and hit the wee bell, and you'll be notified when we go live. But look, you did speak about Michael Nicholson there, Franny, and he did speak. And coming to yourself, Anthony, he did confirm that, well, words again with this board, Postacoglu will be backed with funds in January. They can see his potential. They can see he's building the team for the long term. And also within that conversation, and today, I don't know if you've seen it, Postacoglu has confirmed that Celtic aren't looking for a director of football. So again, it's focusing on key staff throughout, obviously, data, analysis, scouting. So I think they're doing it that way. But with them comments, a wee bit of pleasing stuff coming out of the AJM, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we, we spoke at hand when the, the whole sort of different models of what, of what way we could, you know, the club could be run. We discussed that sort of late, earlier on in the summer. I'm not necessarily pro or against a director of football, provided mm-hmm. that other members of staff in place know, know what they're doing. Um, as long as if, if Andrew Postacoglu seems to be doing a very good job of, you know, promote you know, you know, scouting players out or you know, going to the board with ideas. I mean, there's not really any signings that haven't worked out so far. You can see he's on the on the start building something, but this was always going to take more than one transfer window. So absolutely, he'll have to be backed uh, in January. Mm-hmm. There's obviously the recent financial figures. Suggest that we're as healthy as any club could be um, post-pandemic, with the you know the geography of where we are. So I think that yeah, there will be money available. I don't really think there'll be any. I can't imagine. I think it'd be unthinkable for any you know big player to be you know taking off the books in January. Perhaps someone like we were saying earlier, maybe Barcast, someone like that could could get moved on. I would assume for five million pounds, he'll be on a decent wage, possibly a Yeti as well. But I think anyone that does come in. Uh, would be replaced with uh, one of Angie's men. Yeah, 100% agree with you. And I mean, as well with Michael Nicholson, Franny, you didn't even know he spoke. I mean, he, he very rarely <laughs> speaks. So again, this guy, I have no really big opinion on him. I just yeah. obviously seen the snippets come out that he said the post call is going to be backed. And the words they kept using was they're in rude financial health, which basically means they're in, they're in good health to spend money in January. And especially to take advantage of what's going on across the city. That needs to happen. Oh, 100%. I think, obviously, Dame Changing Miser now, obviously, they've announced that the new guy, he could be an absolute wonder. It could be brilliant. But mm-hmm. I think it, it's only natural that you're going to start when your, your rivals sort of change manager after like the sort of first quarter of the season that you've really got to, you've got to wonder, you've got to put your foot down and really try and take it, take whatever advantage you can and come January push on again if because we're, we're on a great run just now hopefully we can continue that up to Christmas I'm not suggesting we'll win every game but I mean if we do fantastic but then come January try and get business done as early as possible appreciate obviously the January window is always a hard time to do do business in Celtic in the past haven't really done a lot of business in January uh, but the fact that Postacoglu said he might go to like the Asian market again and stuff, so teams are players are maybe out of contract. The season's over, so it may be it'll potentially be easier to get business done then because their teams have then got sort of a pre-season 
or their summer, if you like, to to then mm-hmm. uh, re-strengthen their team. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. The fact that they've said they're going to back them is is good. I'll take that with a pinch of salt just going on previous January's. But again, a lot of that is down to it's not the most ideal market. I'll cut them some slack and that's it. It's not the most ideal market to, to do business. But it's it's exciting times. They're, they're saying the right things. And obviously, Postacoglu is obviously saying he's want to do that. So I'll, I'll take Postacoglu's word before there. So a wee bit of me is believing it's going to happen. Like it's not. Mm-hmm. I'm not expecting twenty odd million. Maybe I'd be surprised if it's even as much as ten. But I'm expecting maybe two signings. Maybe I know that doesn't sound a lot, but I think when you consider it's maybe got to be two guys that are ready for the first eleven. That's that's yeah. big signings. Yeah, hundred percent. And Alfie, we're back to domestic football action in the League Cup, Premier Sports Cup semi final, whatever you want to call it, at Hamden. And the legend himself, Bertie Old, referred to Hamden as a training ground because Celtic played on so often. But, I mean, we're going to end this game against the, the double cup winners, Amson Johnson, who we'll have to respect. They the won the double last year, most successful team in Scotland in terms of trophies. But how are you feeling into this one? Feeling as well as, as it possibly could. You know, Forum was 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 good before the, the international break. And obviously, not that it's necessarily Celtic related, but the... The feel-good factor of the international breaks meant I'm, you know, really looking forward to this one. Um, but like you say, I mean, I, I don't know if anyone's seen the Daily Record today, but they've done their classic job of uh, misquoting one of our players um, who said that he's, um, Stephen Welsh, said that he's looking for something along the lines of he's looking forward to an old firm clash before Christmas. Now, as you can imagine, Stephen Welsh said nothing of the sort. And it's you know, if, if Hibs need any more, um if Hibs need any more encouragement to G themselves up uh, for their match, um then the, the daily record have duly given them it. But I think Celtic will approach this game in the right way. You know, you've got to like we say, we give St Johnson credit, they're the most successful team in Scotland this year. And they've defended their first trophy so far the right way. I mean, so often, um if if Celtic don't lift the, the trophy, the team who ends up winning it the following season, they can sometimes get knocked out at the first time of asking. But, you know, St. Johnson have made it to Hamden mm-hmm. again. Callum Davidson's done an absolutely magnificent job um, there. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm expecting a tough match, Don't, uh, but, but make no mistake about it. But having said that, we've been to Hamden so many times now. And I think this group of players are in a good reign of uh, bit of forum. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it Saturday night. And you know, fingers crossed, we can just uh, book a slot in the final uh, before Christmas. Yeah, hundred percent agree with you. And you do actually make a fantastic point. Obviously, credit goes to Colin Davison and the job he's doing, Franny. At St. Johnson, they're defending the trophy in the right way so far, but they're up against us, which is a a tough prospect for anyone in the Scottish football kind of landscape. But I mean, in terms of team news, I think Giamakis or Jackamakis has been injured again. He's picked up a groin injury in the, the previous game, so he, he'll be out. Um, Postacoglu's confirmed that it's too early for Starfelt and Rodgers, so they'll be missing. Obviously, Welsh is going to come in, as Anthony said, was misquoted in the daily record, but they're famous for that. But all in all, getting into the game, Hamden, big pitch. What are you thinking? Yeah, I'm, I'm like Anthony. I'm confident. You've got, to, you've got to be confident, Stephen, when you consider our form leading up to the international break and stuff. It was... Like, what was it, eight wins or something, or was it seven wins and a draw or something? Seven like and eight, that? seven and eight, aye, yeah. Uh, so you, you can't be, and then one of them included St. Johnson, so you can't be anything but confident going into it. But it's all like, like Anthony and yourself touched on, 
Uh, St Johnson, obviously the holders of the cup, they're not going to surrender that uh, easily. So you've just got to hope with being the big patch that we can utilise that to and take advantage of it, get our, our sort of flair players on the ball and yeah, just hopefully set ourselves up, get us win the game, get a final and like I say, playing the final is before the turn of the year, isn't it? Yeah. So first yeah, yeah, the, the, the Sunday before Christmas, yep. Uh, so yeah. it's always good to be and then be in a position where you could possibly win your first trophy and sort of for the first half of the, the calendar year, which like I've touched on before, if you can win that uh, League Cup, it can really push you on for the season if you're in a, a good position in the league because it's you get it's yeah it's maybe not the most uh, sought after sought after trophy I feel like, but it can really just set you up because it's you've picked up a trophy. This is it's a probably a nice feeling for a lot of the players. It'll be a lot of the players maybe could be the first sort of a major major uh, honour, so it maybe help them kick on and stuff. So. Yeah, I can't. I'm not saying I can't. Bah, I can't say anything but a Celtic win on, on Saturday, Stephen. Well, speak, speaking of Celtic wins, quick fire, line up and score predictions. What are you going for? Uh, oh, Frank, if you don't mind, I'll go first, Frank. Right. Um, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. Yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to pick a Franco scored line, a hassle free 2 0. In terms of lineup, I think it'll be probably very much similar to the, the Dundee game. Um, just with you know injuries and whatnot, and you know if but you perhaps might have Forrest starting rather than Abada, but yeah, apart from that, whatever the Dundee <laughs> lineup was, I'll, I'll go for that. <laughs> oh, that's a good coffee. How's name? How's name? The tenth name the players. His name's went blank. What, what mean, about yourself, brother? Forrest. At least you know Forrest is playing there somewhere for him. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I, I'm going to go with some. I thought I'd read that uh, Welsh have got injured in international duty, but maybe no, he's, back he's fine. He's Is fine. He fine? So, well, I think Aye. obviously with Starfield not being ready, the, the back five, if you like, picks itself. We obviously Hart and goals, Ralston at, at right back, uh, Welsh and um, Carter Vickers, and obviously Juranovic at left back. Uh, I think Beaton will, will keep his place. I don't. He obviously scored, I think, over the international break, so he'll. He'll hopefully be kicking on with a bit of confidence. Obviously, McGregor tumble in there. Then I actually think Forrest might play because he's obviously had that ten days, two weeks sort of thing to get mm-hmm. build up some fitness and stuff. I can see how I can see Forrest starting. Obviously, we're saying Yakabakis is injured. I would. I mean, not that would have put him in contention for a starting position, but I think it, it makes it easier to put Kyogo in the middle. And then if you're not putting Jota at left mid, I don't know what you're. I don't know what you're up to. <laughs> I'd have I'd have Jada trapped in that boardroom till he signs a permanent <laughs> but I mean I coming like, coming to myself I've never said that before. wow wow I don't know if I have to take a that, shot or not <laughs> the lineup I would go for would be would be Joe Hart Ralston Carter Vickers and I'm going to throw Liam Scales in Liam Scales at left centre back with Juranovic I'll go McGregor Turnbull and Beaton and then on the right, Forrest, because Postacoglu alluded, alluded to the fact that Forrest has been doing well training, so hopefully he gets a wee start. Kyogo for the middle. Kyogo for the middle, and then Jada on the left. As you said, it's criminal if Jada doesn't ah. start the game <laughs> on the left. It's, it's just craziness. But for me, I'll go hassle free as well, Anthony. I'm going with that. Are we I'll go for free. I'll go for free. I'll go for free. Oh, that's a wee bit above our pay grade. Probably. We'll, we'll stick with it. <laughs> oh, we'll, we'll stick with oh, it. 
Uh-huh. We'll stick with 2-0 in Hamden and hopefully another cup final to look forward to. But look, guys, that brings us to the end of the podcast, but you're not getting anywhere yet. The uh-huh. quiz is back. And just dedicated to the wee man himself, wee 10 30, birdie old. It'll be a quiz about him. So it will. Oh, no. So, again, it's five I'll questions. How much start... I was listening to my dad. <laughs> five, five questions, first to three. You know the score. He's, he's well rehearsed in it. Right. Going to start with a tough one first. Bertie Auld okay. had one lo- loan spell throughout his footballing career. Which club was it with? Greenock Morton. Anthony? It's toughy. I think I'm trying to remember. He did go down south at one point, I'm sure. Didn't it's it? in Scotland. It's in Scotland. It's it begins with Rovers. Is it a Scotland thing? Oh, come on, Stephen. I mean, that's quite uh, no. I'll say Dundee. Right. What did you say, Franny? Dumbarton. One nil to Franny. He got it. <laughs> no, well done, Franny. Cheers. How many? How many caps did Bertie all the tea for Scotland? Three, three, one eight. Oh. Which, by the way, is criminal. It's I know, criminal. Yeah, I, it. I mean, I would have been oh. well along. I was going about twenty-one there. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's absolutely criminal. Right, Bertie Old managed five teams. Name me three of them. Celtic Thistle. Dundee, uh, Patrick uh, Dyson, Dundee. No, not Dundee, Dundee, nope. Oh, that's not good. I don't know what I think. I'm, I'm getting maybe mixed up with Tommy Gemmel. Uh, Patrick Thistle was his main one. Was Birmingham but, one? Uh, uh, come on, uh, come on, Alfie. Come on, Alfie. Patrick Thistle. No, no. I'm, I'm struggling, man. Bradley, I'm struggling. Nah, give it to you here. Nah. Right, I'll name you all five. Partick Thistle, Hibs, Hamilton, Partick Thistle again, and Oh, you can't say five teams in Partick Thistle and Partick Thistle. Well, look, I'm trying to make it easy for you, right? (laughs) Name five teams when you only manage four. It's like John with the goalie at five asides, isn't it? How many Scully's leagues did Bertie all win with Celtic? Nine. Yeah. Nope. Must have been part of the nine, no. Eleven. Mm-mm. Six. It's below nine. Oh. Below six. Six. No. Five. Five. Franny two one. I mean, well, see to be honest, criminal. that's mental. The, the, he was the product- as well. See, see the amount of times I have to give you the answers on the plate. It's nuts. Like, I'm <laughs> it really is mad. I'm taking it. I'm taking it, especially what? against Anthony. We all know Bertie All was a part of this Berlin's team that famously won the European Cup. But what other European trophy was he a part of? A part of team, and there were Birmingham City. What other European trophy was he in? And a total cup. And of, uh, I've had two goals, Anthony. I've had two goals. UEFA Cup. Ah, oh, the, the first cup. First cup, two eights. The side in question. The side in question. In what year was Bertie Auld inducted into the Scottish Hall of Fame? 2016. Two, no. 2003? No. Ha- Five. Uh, f- User! Five. Right, come on! Right, below 2010. 2009. 
Yes, Anthony brings oh. it home. I mean, see to be fair, see to be fair, um, no one, no one wins that quiz. I had to give you the answers, but well played. I'd be, I'd be claiming that. <laughs> no, I'm only joking, Anthony. I, 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 I need, I need to get my. Yeah, I need to get my my streak back. Obviously, Ross is, uh, you know, he ended it, but I, I don't really feel like I won there. It was it was a guessing game. <laughs> Alfie was telling me like before, no, he, he's got the Celtic quiz book. If ever needs a couple of questions to ask the boys, come to him, and he can't even answer them himself. But but look, guys, it's, it's been a brilliant show. We've covered some of the topics. Have you enjoyed it? Loved that, loved that. Just remember, absolutely, landscape. absolutely, landscaped. get on it. That's it, guys. Absolutely, it's been great being back on. Been good on our first uh, sponsored show. So, yep. Get yourself, uh, yeah. get yourself all sorted for the weekend. Get a Manscaped gift bag, <laughs> and uh, yeah, here's to a good result on Saturday night. Hundred percent. And as you guys said, take advantage of this Manscaped offer, twenty percent off for the code Celts. You can see it there on the podcast itself in the wee boxes. Get yourself the gift, a family member a gift. It's well worth it. And in the meantime, to everybody who's listening and watching, stay well and keep safe. Heal, heal.